So You Want to Be an Artist is now on YouTube as a video series too. So if anyone prefers watching their podcasts and conversations, then head over to YouTube, the So You Want to Be an Artist YouTube channel. And this episode is now live on there too. Songwriting was always a process of honesty with myself. I knew that they would be listening to my music and looking for themselves in it, and I never wanted to give them that satisfaction of knowing that I cared enough to talk about them afterwards. What I wanted the most was for them to hear that, hear anything that I made and see nothing of themselves in it. The truth was the, was the one thing I was avoiding the most because I didn't want to give this person the satisfaction of knowing that. And as, so my entire process for songwriting changed. Then it became like, oh, I guess I have to figure out how to be clever because I can't speak honestly. Well, I completely disabled myself as an artist. All right, we're in. I'm having a coffee at 11 o'clock at night and you're having <laughs> your first ever mince pie and your first ever non-alcoholic beer. No, it's like a nice little combination of cute and tiny things. I mean, when in London, you know, do as the Londoners do. Cider and the sec, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> Once the conversation gets going, yeah, yeah. you know, we start talking about intention and history and right, stuff. And yeah. Maybe we go for the harder stuff. Maybe. But this is going to be a, a cool conversation. I think okay. it's the first time we've spoke for years, three years. Yeah. Which is serendipitous. I feel <laughs> yeah. you know. Long time. It has been a long time. Much has changed for both of us. Much has changed for both yeah. of us. Um, I can't wait to dig into it. Okay. Cool. Um, so the first question is, what is art? Oh, wow. I think mm, it could be different for everyone, but I think if I had to say at its core what I, what seems true to me is that it's everyone's individual experience of God and what that they wouldn't necessarily call it that, but I, I think that that's what it is. It's like you see something that, seems transcendent to you and you want to share it. Uh, you connect with something higher than yourself and you want to pass it on, whether that be like something that's... A lot of times it comes from pain, right? And um, the the funny part is, like with music in particular, so much of music comes from something that seems impossible to bear. So you have to kind of talk about it so that you can move on and get it out. Um, but... At its core, it's still like you experiencing the love inside of that, and that's what you talk about, and that's what drives you. So it feels like individual versions of God. Anyone who subscribes to this podcast will know that inside I'll be going like this. Why is that? Because <laughs> all I fucking think about is, is you know, whatever that thing, whatever that thing is that we attribute the word God to. Yeah. That's at the forefront of my mind. Since yeah. my first ever encounter with whatever it is, whatever it is, that's yeah. all I've been able to think about since. Yeah. And it hasn't steered me wrong. Do this, you remember your first ever encounter? I wouldn't. I, I mean, it has to have happened at some point in childhood, but uh, I think I've always, it's all, I've always been aware that that space is in the back of my mind somewhere. Yeah. Even when I was younger and rebellious and. Yeah very individual and very focused mm -hmm. and very certain, mm -hmm. probably more so than I am now, I'm certain about what it is that I was seeing. 
mm-hmm. and experiencing. Mm-hmm. Um, I was always aware that it was there somewhere. But I think maybe the first time where I ever really surrendered to it was when I had a car accident and I was absolutely certain that I was going to die. I was in a car with a girlfriend at the time and we were in the fast lane and rush hour on a freeway, motorway, freeway, <laughs> and the, one of the car tires burst and we went flipping across the, all of the lanes and we landed in one lane and I looked to my left and there was a big 18-wheeler truck coming straight towards my side of the car, just uh, uh, like lights, full beam, it was raining just before Christmas. And I looked and I had never been so at ease. I'd never been so free. I'd never been so accepting of anything in my life. And I looked at it and I thought, this is it. This is how I die. And there wasn't any resistance to it. There was, I trust I trust the process. And for me, at that time, as a, as a 19-year-old kid, as a 19-year-old kid, you know, who's very, very insular, very numb at that point, I would say, very uh, discerning, for me to welcome anything with open arms in that way, let alone death itself, mm-hmm. was such a transformative experience for me. Mm-hmm. And after that, I... I, I I, after I had that moment of serenity and silence and, and true beauty, the lorry hit the back of the car and we were fine. So I was taken out of that space and back into the, I'm, I'm here now. I'm still here. And now I have to navigate my life with the knowledge with that... This knowing. With this knowing. <laughs> like, that's all it is. It's, it's, it's a yeah. knowing now that... It's just the next step. Yeah. There's nothing to be afraid of. Yeah. It's really interesting. I was so curious what you were going to say happened to you because my dad had a really interesting experience that always stuck with me. My dad would definitely call himself an atheist. And he described it exactly as you had, except for the fact that what he said happened to him was that he saw the lights of the semi-truck coming towards him. He saw death in that moment and accepted it. And then he saw the lights, and then they like the truck was going away, but he couldn't explain what happened. He thought for sure that some kind of miracle of intervention occurred because there was no way around that truck not hitting him. He was on a bike, a motorcycle. Um, and he just... And then he had these really bizarre experiences where he was waking up to the smell of roses and having weird like biblical experiences of like pain in his wrists and all kinds of stuff like that. And so he, it's interesting because he'd still call himself probably an atheist or, well, no, he wouldn't call himself an atheist. He would... Agnostic? Be agnostic at this point where he definitely believes that there is something, something. which is a huge leap forward from where he stood before um, and has accepted that there is something and he can't necessarily explain it. Mm. And what about you? Um, I've always been driven towards whatever this like God uh, force is. I've never questioned it. Um, I've never really accepted anyone else questioning it either in this weird way because I, I feel like what I experience, everyone experiences whether they speak of it in the same with the same words or not. Um, and maybe that's ignorant and maybe that's not true, you know. But I think whenever you experience supernatural 
anything in life. Like I, I want to attribute that to God because it is like I've experienced things that are completely supernatural that have no explanation. So mm. I want to call that word God, like whatever that the the next step outside of like actual human ability. Mm. Like when you literally just get something downloaded to you that you didn't make, but suddenly it came through you. Like I don't know. I can't. We're speaking explicitly about art and creation that's, in that sense. That's, yeah. Mm. Like in a creative sense, when you like wake up and something was given to you and it came in a complete form, I'm just like, I can't with any kind of logical mind to say that I did that. I was just like asleep at the wheel. Like, I don't yeah. know. Do you think it's a woman thing for you to just be like, well, I, I know this force is present and I just accept it? Whereas, like for me, for me and your dad, we had to be we had to be taken to the edge to <laughs> to see over the to see over the ledge and come back and be like, oh, all right, well, let, and now I have some point of reference. I like to think that is a more naturally feminine attribute. Yeah, there's like a, a beauty in the receptive quality to like a, it's like the the life of a woman. If you're gonna be general and make generalizations, that is like a much a much more open, uh, accepting. Place, like a mm. uh, state. Mm. And especially when you consider biologically new life passing through you, similarly to the act of creation, is essentially you... Clearly in, supernatural. You <laughs> innately understand the uh, function of transportation of your body. You know, you understand yourself to be a tool. Yeah. And a vehicle. Yeah. For... for, for whatever it is that chooses to come through. Yeah. The interesting thing about what you said in terms of you feel this pain, it's interesting that that's where we begin. Mm -hmm. You feel this pain and what comes out of it is the anchor that pulled you through. Mm -hmm. And that's what it is that you want to share. Yeah, it, because I think what we're all trying to figure out is who we are and what we are and how we think and how we feel. And it's this constant maybe subconscious or conscious, depending on the person, effort to know yourself and know what is and what is truth and what is real. And you're looking for these massive, massive, like, um, sorry, <laughs> these massive concepts in a way. And when it, when it comes through music or something, there's this relief, right? Because when you hear somebody say something in a song that you have been trying to put to words and unsuccessfully, then it's a relief and a release. And so I think having music be that for me over and over again, where I, it's like this anxiety that builds and builds and builds until someone can put a, a name to it. It's like the nature of language. When someone has a word for what it is that you're experiencing, suddenly it's like, a, it's free, right? Because you can conceptualize it. We need language for this. Like, that's the way our minds work. We need language to even know ourselves so that we can put things into boxes that we can observe. Otherwise, it's too big. And then music is like a tiny little version of that. Like, it's a three-something minute version of a concept that then you can observe and analyze and then as a result, like, let go of because now you have a word for it and it's okay. It's like, I don't know, that's, it's been like a continual path of like tension and release of like, oh, this song finally explains how this feels, how this tragedy feels, how this loss feels, this relationship with my parent, this relationship with love, like, and the complexities that all these things have in them. And then you find a song that just focuses in on one tiny aspect of it. And then you're not alone. You're not stupid. You're not wrong. Uh, it's been acknowledged. 
so much of pain is like, oh, this is happening, and then it feels better. That's like all this therapy, right? People are like, you just talk about it. Nothing changed. All you did was talk about it. Mm. All you did was put words to something that you already had, and then somehow that makes you feel better. And also be, I've never had therapy, but I imagine also be challenged to look at it from new perspectives. Yeah. So yeah. there's there's the there's the expression, but then yeah. also the analysis of it too. Mm-hmm. The, the walking around it as if it were a sculpture of its own, and being like, yeah. oh, getting a fuller picture. And then maybe the next uh, kind of like bonus of music is that music you have these concepts that may be otherwise considered negative or difficult, and then you hear them in a package that's beautiful, mm. and then that makes it beautiful. You're like reframing that idea or concept or feeling or emotion or experience in a way that feels now mm. attached to beauty. So do you think that there's a, uh, a process of, alchemize, of alchemy <gasps> yes. that's necessary? Can it just be pain and suffering in and of itself and be as beautiful as if it would be when it's been transcended and alchemized into some kind of gem? I will say that I think the hopefulness to it is um, maybe what draws us in the most mm. because even in my experiencing myself in a creative capacity, the songs that have a light in them versus the ones that don't, I, like the ones that don't end up being of very little interest to me. And later very temporary. After. Yeah, it just feels... Because I think the reality is, the bigger truth is that there is always hope mm. and that we are naturally hope seeking. Mm. It's like this like inner optimism of the human spirit that is constantly driving towards the light in a way, whether we're doing that through the fucking trash. Yeah. <laughs> like it's an interesting thing to to consider that these that a piece of art that can be made in the eye of a storm of a feeling mm-hmm. that hasn't been purified into a lesson, into mm-hmm. some kind of teaching mm-hmm. exists temporarily. It can only be appreciated in fleeting Mm -hmm. whereas when it's been polished and the you has been taken out of it and the Mm -hmm. ego and 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 the and sometimes the context and it's been boiled down to a universal truth Mm -hmm. and suddenly what you've created lives forever it's interesting that you say that i wouldn't have i wouldn't have necessarily put that together like on my own just thinking but i i think it's very true hearing it i'm like yeah that Mm. seems really true especially because now i think in pop music, it's like this, like, sad girl, sad boy. Yeah. Uh, it's juvenile. Yeah, and it is uh, in itself, based off of this idea, very temporary. Yeah. Because it's 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 this really core version of narcissism to think that it's so terrible. Yeah. When it's when it's not. Yeah. Um, and I respect anyone for whatever it is that makes them sad because sadness is real for them, regardless of needing to be justified in any way but it is it is so narcissistic to just kind of wallow in it mm. as if it were important enough to last forever mm. as if your sadness were big enough to be eternal like when it's not <laughs> it's so true and I, and I think about the current state of art mm-hmm and I, and I notice in myself the transition into adulthood, which is taking responsibility for my place in the world and the things that happen to me and realizing my complicity, complicity in, in, in absolutely everything. Um, and 
this state of naivety that I guess popular culture traps people in because it constantly pumps out this wallowing. It constantly mm-hmm. pumps out this revolution of anguish and and it keeps the conveyor belt of temporary feeling in motion that we don't ever actually get to have any stillness and mm-hmm. we don't get to go, ah, oh, I can see how I can move out of this and, and, and move mm-hmm. on up. Even the nature of the constant output is is unfortunately continuing that spiral because one of the best aspects of listening to music growing up is that we would hear the same thing over and over again until we could transform it into different truths. Mm. It grows with us. It grows. And then you grow with the song and vice versa. It's like every time you look at something and it changes a little bit and you see something different. If you watch a movie twice, you're going to see it differently. Mm. But then if you're not listening to anything twice, which I feel like it's how it feels. It's like, oh, this is an amazing song. What else do you do? That's an amazing artist. Who else is amazing? It's always next. And then you never end up being able to grow because it's just like there's the lack of of time spent with yourself Mm. in that way. Mm. I miss boredom on behalf of the the world. I feel like boredom is the most significant part of my life and has become as was the root of all of the things that I do now and anything that I've been proud of was at its very very beginning a moment of boredom. And we have such so little time allotted for that now and we're so filled up with everything that it's, I'm just, I don't know, I just don't see how innovation will continue at the rate that it has in the past. But it's when you have time to think that you even would consider what the nature of being is is and what meaning life actually has. Mm. And you get to create a space to ask the question, well, what would actually stimulate me? Like for real stimulate me. Yeah. yeah Long not, term. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you do, uh, that's I guess the process of growing up too mm-hmm. is that you get bored, you go, what will stimulate me? And a couple of weeks, months, years yeah. down the line, you end up in the same place and you go, I need to set the scope a little bit wider because yeah. I'm not trying to come back here right. that quickly. You know, right. maybe every now and then it's important to check in. Right. But to be on a schedule, to have a weekly meeting with yeah. boredom, means yeah. I'm probably not as focused as or, or or surrendering as much as I could be. Yeah, that's true. That is part of the the path onto adulthood, which which it's almost like a luxury to be in the child mind enough to be like, oh, I just want things. Like I almost envy that because it is such a lie that once you 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 just I I wish for everyone to have all the things that they want so they could find out that there's something else that they would prefer, you know? Like instead of this like new sneaker, there's like a deeper feeling that they're looking for that Sneaker will maybe only expire in like a couple weeks or mm. months or whatever. But um, it's it's the people that get everything that they want early that get a chance to find a deeper meaning and a deeper value in life. That I, and, I, and I wish that for everyone. Because yeah. the on the downside is that you don't get it. So then you spend your whole life in that path of thinking that it's like just ahead. And then when you get to the just ahead really, really early, then you really have to dig a lot deeper. And it's way more terrifying. But I feel like it's actually, it's like what we're deeply looking for. How did that manifest for you? How did you learn that? It sounds like you got everything you thought you wanted. Um, You know, in a way, I think I was never under the illusion that the things were going to fix it. Um, But I, I definitely lived under certain lies that I chased in music that I thought 
I really do think that I thought if I made good enough music, I would always have friends and always be loved by whichever person I wanted to love me. Um, as if there was a contract that said, I made this great song and now you will love me forever. And great, I feel great about this. Like Contract, exchange, signature, ba-boom, transaction complete. Um, and then, fuck, you realize like, it's so obvious that's not true, but I still <laughs> believed it. I mean, I, you see it all the time. I like growing up with artists that you that, that I've looked up to. I'm like, oh, these people look deeply unhappy. Like they're breaking up, going through divorces, cheating on each other, being sad, like getting photographed, going through mental breakdowns, um, whatever. Like the pop stars of our generation, shaving their heads. Shout and like, out Britney. Oh, yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Like she was definitely probably the most famous female pop star at the time and then looked so incredibly unhappy just shortly thereafter. And I was like, oh, it should be so obvious that that, that having success in this, making music that transcends in people's lives that people love doesn't get the other one, but I don't know. Mm. You still just think, oh, it'll be different. <laughs> um, so I don't know. In, in a way, though, like on, on the other side of it, if you take music out of the equation, I never... I was never seeking things, at least, things or money. I kind of was aware very, very early on that, that both of those wouldn't do it, wouldn't be enough. But I had an illusion about money being greater than all of that and that, like, the experiences that I had in music and listening to music and being just, like, a, a consumer of music felt so much bigger than things and stuff that... Um, I really thought that the answer was inside of that. And that was a letdown to find that that wasn't the case. That really sucked. <laughs> for a moment. Yeah. I mean, in a way still, though, because now I'm just looking for... I'm looking for something that will that will feel as good as music does at its best. Um, oh. Uh, how do you mean? That's, that's like saying, I'm looking for a red car that feels like a red car. Or I'm looking for a car that feels like a red car. And well, me because, being like, we'll just go buy a red car then. Well, because the issue is that music doesn't feel like it used to. Okay. And I don't know, I don't know if it ever will. I don't know if something in me broke or if it's just waiting uh, to change or, I don't know. Some, something definitely changed in a way that I haven't really been able to write. And uh, that's been a huge disappointment just because I don't have the same life-altering supernatural experiences on a regular basis with sound as I used to. And I miss that a lot. Mm. And I, I don't think there's any lacking in transcendent music either. So that's like the bigger letdown is there's more music now than there's ever been. There is, I mean, it's like if you're not being inspired, your fucking eyes are closed. So I feel like I must be wandering around with my eyes closed because much of the time I feel uninspired. And, I, and it sucks because it's like, it's like looking at something beautiful and seeing nothing is the, the state that I find myself in more often than not now. Mm -hmm. um, and also, and I don't know if it's because of, it's like, in a way, like you said, I do feel like I got everything I wanted in music. I got signed to the man who I thought was the greatest music executive. I then had a nice career in music that allowed me to be a full-time musician for many, many years, like, um, and still now, and then reshift, like, refocused my energy into being just a musician and playing for other people to be able to step a little bit further away from the spotlight because I thought, oh, maybe it's just, maybe it just doesn't feel good to be in the light. Maybe I just want to be able to 
help other people shine because mm-hmm. like the the original dream was to be a songwriter. So I kind of moved into that direction and then found that it didn't feel that much better. Like it was it was like a different thing in in a way all of the the dreams that I had have been fulfilled. I toured with my absolute like dream favorite artist in my favorite cities across the world. I um checked all the boxes, you know. Mm. Signed to the right guy, played Coachella. Like that was definitely a box. I was like, that must be so cool. Mm. I love this festival. It looks so fun. And it was, it was amazing. Um, and then I was like, don't need to do that again. <laughs> so the you have these external mm-hmm. checklists, but what about internally? Mm. Well, internally it was like I just wanted to make a perfect album, which I know I'll never do. Yeah. I mean it's a valiant goal to aim for and probably the <laughs> right one, happen. you know, because at least it'll give you something to do for the rest of Forever, your life. Right. I'll never get the box checked, so I'll just have to constantly work at it. But I, I think the problem was every time I found, like, every time I found the person that I thought was the the goal, mm. um, they seemed so unhappy. And that just was, a, like, a constant thing. Like You mean in versions of yourself? The versions of myself that I would have seen externally and been like, that's that's who I could be and be happy. Like, that kind of that game where I'm like, oh, this songwriter who I think is has the talent that I wish that I develop mm. and... Um, or this artist that has the career that I think looks beautiful and the, the life and the family that looks beautiful. Then when you get on the inside and you're just like, oh, no, this isn't this person isn't somebody who I want to be. And every single time that happened, it was always, I don't want to be you, I don't want to be you, I don't want to be you, and I don't want to be you. And then I was like, shit, all of the, like, all the idols that I had, like, raised up on these pedestals of, which, by the way, is such an f- amazing feeling to have. You have this North Star that you're like, oh, if I just aim here and go here, then... It's that illusion of like, this will be good when I get there. And then you kind of get there and you're like, shit. I can only be me. Yeah, the problem is I could only do that, which is the last thing that I've wanted to do. <laughs> well, then we have to speak about why. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. For me, being in a position of, of feeling that same way of being like, I'd rather be anybody than myself. <laughs> it was for two, two main reasons, really. Okay. One was that I didn't feel like I was capable of carrying the burdens that came with being me. And that is tied up in childhood trauma. Mm-hmm. That's tied up with potential in knowing what I can do if mm-hmm. I am at my best. Mm-hmm. I know that I can, with a lot of hard work, have a huge impact it, with anything that I come into contact with. And that's like a heavy responsibility to make that commitment to whatever you want to call God and say, I will bring you into existence at every opportunity that I can give. It's a cross to bear, you know, and and religious teaching would tell you that there's only ever been one person that's ever been able to carry that cross, right? Which doesn't set us up with a lot of hope to begin with. The best we can do is like you have been trying to do is imitate. And that leads us to a dead end. And uh, and 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 the, the second part is, 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 is just... I didn't feel like I deserved it. Right. That's I, a big one, I think. I didn't feel like I deserved it. And and yeah, you get into that situation and you go, well, why don't you feel that way? Well, you know, I did some fucked up shit. Oh, well, why did you do some fucked up shit? 
because I was angry because some fucked up shit happened to me and I was just repeating the cycle. Okay, well then you start to have, well then I start to have some compassion for my own fallibility and I take responsibility and I, and I shoulder that cross mm -hmm. and, I, and I wear it proudly mm -hmm. and, and, I, and I carry it with me and I go, look, there isn't anyone who hasn't got some kind of flaw that makes them feel like they're unworthy. No, no one, you know, any child who has ever existed at some point has been betrayed. Mm -hmm. and, and it is something that I struggle to get over and it's something that for a very long time made me feel like I was unworthy. Mm -hmm. um, but then I did the same thing that you did, but I didn't necessarily say I'm going to try to be like that person. I just had versions of myself like, maybe if I get that job, I'll be happy. Right. Maybe if I get that position of power. Maybe mm -hmm. if I work with that person. Mm -hmm. Maybe if I do this, that, and the other. And, I, and, and it led me to places of where I was constantly quitting. <laughs> I was just constantly quitting. I was getting what I wanted because I'm, I'm, I will work hard mm -hmm. um, and I will do a good job and I will give my all and I will get there and I'll just quit and I'd quit and I'd quit. And it, it's not just a... a the fact of me retiring, it's a loss. Yeah. I've lost to my presuppositions. I've yeah. lost to my expectations. Yeah. And then it just got to a point of where it's like, well, I can only do what, what I, I know to be true, which is to give, tr give reality to the, that feeling. Mm -hmm. Constantly search and look for opportunities where I can bring that spirit that mm -hmm. power into being and give it a life. Yeah. And for me, when I sit down now at a computer, I don't, or at a microphone or whatever, I still have those voices in the back of my head like, we should just turn this off. You know, who do we even think we are? We're just, you know, we're clutching at straws here. We're just going to, it's never going to satisfy us. And then it's like, just chill, just chill. Yeah. This ain't that anymore. And, and, and for me, it was getting over those two things that really allowed me the same freedom I felt mm. as when I thought I was about to die. Mm. And I, 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 I don't know you, but I've listened to the music and I see the conversation and I see where you stand in your mind when you look at these things. Mm. And I know, I understand, I look at you and I see me in that sense but i see the confusion and i see the weight and i see an opportunity for me to go just pick it up <laughs> you might only get it this far off the ground today but tomorrow it will be that and the next day it will be that and before you know it you're dancing with it on your shoulders holding it high in the air <laughs> showing everybody else like come on let's just all do it mm -hmm. let's all live in in harmony with our fallibility mm-hmm and not be oppressed by it. It's so interesting because I always I try and come back to the thought of what would I what thoughts do I have about myself that I would ever have about someone else? It's like a zero. Do you know what I mean? And I mean this specifically about criticisms of myself. The criticisms or judgments or whatever. Like I I never view other people with this same lens. It's never, who do you think you are to, to do that? It's mm. always love, honestly. Even when it's art that I don't 
particularly resonate with. I'm just happy that they made it. Yeah. Because I feel like whatever it is that they needed to do, I'm happy that it's like it's such an accomplishment every time you wake up and do anything. You know what I mean? Because there's always an argument that you shouldn't. There's no point in all of it. Yeah. You can always make that argument. It and it's it's like it's the easiest, but also um, the most unfortunate argument, which is why do anything? Because none of it has value, and it doesn't. I mean, we're just this. We're this. You know and at the same time, that should be the freedom of none of it matters. So you should just go to the edge of whatever you are every day that you can because that would be the greatest accomplishment because it doesn't matter. Mm. You know? <laughs> exactly. So it, it's it's like it's such an illogical thing and, and the battle of worthiness is it's so illogical in that sense because it is like in, in a way you could spin it also as nar- narcissism, like, you know what I mean? Like, how how terrible can you be that you're worthy of nothing? Like, are you that great? It's the, but it's also the almost indoctrinated patriarchal <laughs> Judeo-Christian society, the foundations it's of that in our society. In. It's this, this worthiness suggests a judge. Right, yeah. And the narcissism is, well, who are you to be the judge? Right. Are you that God in that sense? Mm-hmm. That's narcissism. But also, once you have been to a place of where we're speaking about, when we speak about true transcendence, there is no judge there. There is no... As long, I mean, as long as it's beautiful, it will live forever. So... And it is, and therefore it should be. Simple. So, so simple. If it is, it should be. Great. Like... Uh, somebody called me out the other day, and it wasn't the conversation I expected to have, but it was maybe the conversation I, I needed. Um, I have definitely lived my life in one definition or another directly for this God force that I that I felt I discovered from the very, very beginning until recently. <laughs> yeah. Until it got hard. No, it almost worse. It was almost like when things got good, I was the worst. I was of my worst state because... Because there was this, uh, like, this righteousness in the struggle that I just never wanted to get past it. That I didn't ever want it to be easy because it just didn't have, I didn't know how that life would look or feel. Mm. Life on the other side of joy. Yeah, you know? It just felt felt weird to me. Um, and alienating who I had decided I was, mm. which was nothing, always trying to be something. I wasn't really capable of being something, just in and of itself. It was much easier to be like aiming at something else that I'm not. And then, and it's funny because the best moments of my life were the simplest because they were like in that state of surrender where you're like, ah, whatever, here the fuck is me. Like, here I am. And if you don't like it, that's great. And then I just, those doors kept flying open because there's no resistance. There was no like attempt to be great. You know what I mean? But the the downside of it is you want to feel like you're trying to you want to be trying for something at the same time because there's like a joy in that of like, I'm trying to get better. I'm trying to be this. I'm trying to be that something bigger than who I am right now. But then that alienates what you are. And um, I don't know how to make that balance uh, like a, a equilibrium. Mm. I can't sort of figure it out quite yet. But in the moments that I was just accepting of who I am, um, I've received great praise and in the moments where I really wanted to be something better than that I've seen a lot of resistance and closed doors and it's just like uh, 
the, the, the truth and that would be maybe you should just be who you are, but I don't know how. I don't know how to try and also just be. I don't know how to just be without trying. The, the effort is the problem, but then I don't know how to try to live without effort. I, this feels like a paradox. Mm. Um, is it any of this making sense? Completely. It is? Okay. Because it's hard to explain. No, really. I fully understand. It, when you, for, for you it seems as well, especially you get a lot of validation from the world outside of yourself. So if you feel like you're, if you're being, you're being, mm -hmm. and life outside of yourself is validating that that's the right mm -hmm. thing you should be doing and giving you opportunities, mm -hmm. that when you chase an ideal, mm -hmm. it, it, it shuts the door, like you said, then mm -hmm. you're taking that as, oh, this is a sign of something I shouldn't be doing. Right, but, right, right. But for me, the Darkness of life is revealed in stagnation. Oh yeah. See, this is a this is it's gonna it's gonna get a bit biblical. It's gonna get a bit right, into that go. space right let's now. Right? <laughs> but it's the only way I can really give vocabulary to it. Mm -hmm. And I'm not religious in any sense. But if the devil was to see you mm -hmm. and realize the strength of your bridge mm -hmm. for whatever that power is, mm -hmm. it's gonna try and keep you from reaching for it. Mm -hmm. Stay here in between God mm -hmm. and reality mm -hmm. and I'll give you the opportunities. Mm -hmm. I'll give you what it is you think that you want. Mm -hmm. And the second that you go, no, I'm going to go reach for it. <laughs> Naturally, it should be difficult. You know, channeling mm -hmm. God mm -hmm. should not be an easy thing to do and it's not. Otherwise, everybody would be doing it and life would be uh, a much more harmonious place to exist. Mm -hmm. And it sees you reaching and it knows the power and it knows the capacity of that love that you'll bring. Mm -hmm. And suddenly it starts putting up barriers in your way. Mm -hmm. Starts speaking, whispering to you in the mm -hmm. wind, going, no, nah, that's not it. Yeah. Stay where you're at. Yeah. So, but uh, um, again, it's, uh, for me, it's a, it's a choice. Mm -hmm. It's a choice of interpretation. It is, absolutely. For me, it, there's a choice to be had. Mm -hmm. You're absolutely right. It's again, it's much easier to see in others, because um, I I could I can look at other people and it's it's so apparent to me that as they shine brighter, they are. It's like the the natural state of life is to attack the light. I don't know why that mm. is, but it's like because you can see it. You can't attack anything in the dark because you can't see it. So if you are shining, you are then both on the correct path in the way because your light is showing, but you also are seen, and therefore you're going to experience the the like world trying to bring the balance back into place, which is you've now set the balance out, you're standing out, and now the world wants to bring it back into equilibrium and just like, that's going to be the continual path in life. And I think, like, it's easy to see that in other people. I'm like, oh, well, of course, like, people are attacking you because what you're doing is beautiful and it's seen. So keep going. The more that you experience this resistance, the more you can tell that you're on the right path. Mm. The more people that want to attack you and bring you down, the more I can tell you right now you're, you're doing what you should. Yeah. 
I mean, unless you're someone like Hitler or or something like that. Right. Uh, (laughs) Or Donald Donald Trump. (laughs) Yeah, but you know what? Funny enough, in a lot of ways, those people experienced very little resistance. Yeah, right. The the way they walked into power and the way that people people welcomed them. Yeah, uh, unfortunately, like, (laughs) there's some weird ways that physics works. Um... Yeah, they shouldn't. They should have experienced way more resistance. Yeah, right. I I agree. It's it's really perception at its core because also just the way you perceive it's the way you perceive everything. It's the way you perceive your spiritual attacks. It's the way that you experience uh, resistance. Whether that resistance is because you're on the right path or the wrong path, it's completely within your um, perception and your your right to decide whether that's a good type or a bad type. And that's why it's really important to surround yourself with people who know mm. who you are and maybe where you are going in order to help give you more voices that remind you of your own. And I think that was something that I failed to do um, or did at one point and then it got all, it went upside down and then hadn't really been able to recover from that point because so many voices were inside my head and I had no idea which one was mine. And then that's scary because I never had that problem before. It was mm-hmm. like, you said something about the like the confidence and knowing that you had almost like as an adolescent that has sort of shifted as an, as an adult. There's like these, this, the knowing that I desire, I had more easily as a child, but like the awareness that I desired as a child, I have very easily as an adult without the knowingness. I, I wish they could... Unite. Mm. I don't know. I know too much. <laughs> I feel like I know too much. I miss an amount of ignorance mm. that makes you think that it's just ahead. Well, no wonder you're uninspired. I would, I would, right. nece- I would say that that you're not challenged either in that sense. Mm. If you feel like you know too much, it's the saying. Like if you feel like you're the smartest person in the room, not saying that's what you feel. I like. don't know. No, but change rooms, which is essentially saying. You feel like you know too much. Put yourself in a situation of which you know little. You can never, you can never know even like the tiniest, like the ti- the tiniest amount of music to feel like you know it all, because it just continues to expand. Which is one of the reasons why I fought for music so hard my entire life was because I was like, this is a path that will never end. I will, it will never get old. It will never get tired. I will never know it all. I will always be able to find rooms where I'm the worst, like forever. Yeah. Forever. That seemed super exciting. I don't have that feeling anymore. I don't know. I also feel like there's so much music now that whether I say it or not, it will be said. Somebody will say it and say it great. I don't I don't have any like purpose in that. When I started working in music, pop music was a very specific way. It was all about the fucking sunshine and palm trees and everything was good and everything was fun. And there was a huge lacking in people being able to talk honestly about just genuine like sadness and and depression and apathy and a lot of the stuff that is completely overwhelming music now. And so now I just don't, I don't see the the purpose in it. It will be said, it will be done. And I don't have that weird feeling like, oh, but it won't be done the way that I would do it. I think it will be done just great, maybe better, most likely better. Oh, you know, it's again, you start wandering into the zone of judgment then. Mm. Not necessarily about quality, you know. So, if you, if it were to be a bigger yeah. picture, you know, it might be like parts of a key that are necessary to open some kind of lock. You might need another 
voice, another variation, a different flavor, a different structure, a different uh, form for this bigger puzzle to all start coming together. So for me, the question that I have for you is that do you feel like art and artists have a responsibility? I don't know if I would put it that way. I think that art and artists... I don't know. I think it's innate in a way. I think that even doing it, whatever it is, if you're doing it genuinely from a from like the the need to express it, then then there's that that in and of itself. The responsibility is innate. Your your responsibility is to follow through with whatever it is that you feel, because you must feel it for a reason. Like there must be a truth to it. Like if your if your responsibility to yourself in that moment is to throw a bunch of paint cans at the wall, then I do think that the responsibility is innate that you do it. I think maybe the responsibility that you could you could say is not innate would be to share it at, at whatever state it is. And this is the one I try to pass on to every like young artist that I meet because I feel like there's all this hoarding of things. Mm. Um, I do it. I don't like that I do it. It's just all goes into the like hoarding power, like we waiting for what god i don't i don't know um the right moment because you realize that when strategically in the past people have lined up perfect campaigns and like had great success with it but i i think that's mass like the biggest mistake you can make because what you want is to continue on where you, being able to be present where you are and if you're hoarding on to like these past creations then you're never going to allow yourself to be present where you are and you're going to change and that stuff's not going to be relevant to you then, and you'll miss it, mm. is how I feel. And you won't ever really get to get behind it as well, knowing that it's like so devolved from where you're at by the time it gets out. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a huge problem. So um, how does your process for writing a song start? Uh, it's, it was usually that, like, I guess when I was younger, it was one way, and then when I was older, it was, a diff it was slightly different. When I was younger, it was... I would sit at the piano and I would kind of make a piano piece. <laughs> yeah. Then I would write a song to it that had something to do with a poem that I had started. It was like a little more organized like that. And then as I started getting more acquainted with technology and having more resources with technology, then it just became like I would find, I would open up a session and find some sounds that I thought were really cool. And then I would loop them for a while and sing on top of it and then like go back and listen to whatever like I would just sing for like 10 or 15 minutes mm. um, and then wait till the song came and then just cut out the stuff that wasn't the song kind of and it was just like very easy in that sense um, all like mostly just freestyled stuff which was the only way that I was able to as an adult get acquainted with what my head was what was happening subconsciously because I couldn't put it to words without being in that place. Do you mm. know what I mean? I wouldn't be able to just sit and write it. It was like, there's too many things going on in my head. But if I just kind of tuned out, it would happen. I would hear it. Um, very therapeutic. It almost makes me a little <laughs> bit sad that we're talking about this past tense. Yeah, because I don't write right now. <laughs> I'm on tour all the time now. So there's, just, there's no way to do it. Yeah, I guess. But I, I did put a... EP together that I just got the masters back for before I left. Oh, very nice. Yeah. When's that coming? I don't know. Um, don't hold it. 
I, well, I, the only reason why it's technically being hoarded presently is because it's Christmas time, and I just it's not yeah. a Christmas album. And um, I was like, oh, okay, well, perhaps the timing on that should be taken into consideration that it's not uh, going to be Jingle Bells, and yeah, yeah. maybe people want to hear Jingle Bells right now. <laughs> It would be great to release it with a team, but I've eliminated my entire team. Um, <laughs> you ride in solo. Well, I wrote everything by myself. That's normal, but uh, not having management, not mm. having um, booking, not having any type of like team in play behind it to do kind of like the administration of delivering an, a record to the world. That that's different. Like even in, in the past, it was always very minimal. Like it never really had a. Even when I was on a label, we never put anything out. I had to get off the label to put something out. Um, but I had a, a manager, and I had the ability to, like, and I had PR companies reaching out to me to be like, can I work this? And I'd be like, yes, you can. <laughs> I would love for you to. So that doesn't exist now because I've I've been in hiding for so long as an artist that, there's, like, it's just all, it's gone and silent now. Mm. So it feels like it feels like starting again with something that's not new, and it's a weird place to be. Do you like being in hiding? Are you enjoying it? Of course. Otherwise, I wouldn't do it. There's no conflict at all. Well, I can't say there's no conflict. It's definitely uh, apathy is easy. Mm. It's wrong because you don't feel comfortable with it, but it is easy. Uh, it's the same thing. If you you can't you, you don't experience resistance in the dark. There's nothing. There's no reflection. It's like it's like trying to like grow um, as a romantic partner wh- whilst being alone. Yeah. Um, it doesn't work. You can't. Uh, I can't be challenged by being silent. And I think that uh, I don't know. I, I definitely as if it was like my brain and spirit just cracked in half, and I. I didn't put the pieces back together. I lost too many things in a row that I just lost faith in life. I've lost this like feeling that there was something around the corner to work for, and I just stopped. And then got into this really, really unfortunate place of apathy that I just sustained for years. Um, and then decided that it was much easier to focus on other people's lives than um, my own. And so I d- d- dedicated my resources as a musician to other people's a livelihood and career and and I love that in a way but it's also very very easy in a way that I don't like because I think it's that we come here for the growth and for the challenge and for the progress because in the absence of progress it is the same as dying mm. speak to me about rejection um how do you perceive rejection very apathetically <laughs> I don't know I haven't been able to Sorry, I apologize in advance for this conversation because I, I don't find it inspiring, and I don't, I don't want other people to uh, think that it's a celebrated mentality. I, I don't like it. I don't like it in others. It just happens to be like the truth that I'm, I've experienced with myself recently. Um, I, I just think that I don't care enough about any one thing to find a rejection for any one thing to be particularly painful because I don't want for anything because I've decided that not wanting anything is the safest possible place to be because you can't lose anything you never had or never wanted. So that is where I find myself now, which is unfortunate because then you also can't succeed because you didn't 
search for anything. And I've been given opportunities to work with people who I really love, and so I feel really good about that, you know? But uh, it's still it's still very easy mm. in a way that long-term is unfulfilling. I don't feel like I've, I've edged into, um, you know, when you just feel like you're like, oh, my God, at any moment this could all fall apart. It's kind of exciting. I don't feel like that. Oh. I haven't felt like that for a while. Yeah. From the, the place that you've found yourself in, um, I don't see too many openings for that to happen, you know, unless someone wanders in and kicks down the door and is right. like, right, putting you under my arm. Right. Let's get the fuck out of right, here. Right, right, right. I mean, maybe, I don't know, maybe that's what you might be waiting for, somebody else to do it for you. Somebody I don't else think people do anything for you, though. That's the thing. That, that will never happen. <laughs> it never has and it never will. I've never been in this position before, uh, certainly not on a podcast. <laughs> Sorry. Of uh, No, don't apologize. It's um, important. It's necessary. Because I look at you and see its potential, but it's not uh, its, its possibility. Mm. And I see the makings of a great warrior and a great soldier and f trying to uh, encourage that spirit to even just poke a little hand out, anything, just poke anything out into the light again. Mm. It's an interesting thing to navigate. Mm -hmm. and, I, and, I, and, and the thing that really I enjoy is that I know that you know as well. I know that behind this apathy, behind the, the armor, I know that there's a beating heart dreaming of getting out. Right. It's a beautiful game to play. You know, I had an experience on this tour that I was not expecting. Um, this person came to one of the shows that I'm playing, like, keyboards for. And... Um, he tried to grab me, but it was right before we started, and I needed to like set up. I needed to do changeover so we could start on time. And I and he like tapped me on the shoulder and said like, Ex "Excuse me." And I was just like, "Not a good time." And then I ran backstage, uh, assuming he wanted to talk to Yuna. Yeah, because that's what usually happens. <laughs> um, and so I did changeover, and then after the show, the tour manager came up to me and handed me an envelope, and she said, uh, "Somebody just gave this to me, and it's for you." And inside of it was. All of these drawings and paintings and like many of them were of me or different pictures that I've shared or it was things that were painted listening to my music and there was like a note in there and it was really beautiful. And I felt horrible instantly because I knew it was the person who tried to stop me and I didn't for two seconds think that they were trying to talk to me. Um, and I was sad instantly because I couldn't say thank you. Mm. And I ran back out and they were gone. And then so I posted something about it and just said, like, thank you. And they reached out to me and then asked if they could, if they came to the London show also. This was in Paris. And I said, well, I would, if, I, if I could, like, just see meet you for a second in person, like, I will come to the UK. And I was like, well, don't go through that trouble. But if you do, of course, I'll come out and say hi. And so they came to the show um, in the UK and brought me, like, more gifts. Uh, more, like, art. Yeah. Inspired art. And, um... Like, give me this hug, and they were crying and, like, shivering and just said all this, like, amazing stuff to me about like, how much my music has meant to them. 
And I, I instantly almost felt horrible that I would ever stop making music because of the potential that it mattered to even one person. It was just such, it was such a powerful moment because it was so emotional for, for them to meet me, which made no sense to me at all, obviously. <laughs> I was like, why, why would you even care? And also, why would you care this long after I've done any of the things that you cared about? Like, that is a, that's a long-term appreciation for in a world where things are super, super fleeting, um, of which I would never expect. And... In a way, I don't think I even have an artist that could turn me into that person that I met. That, like, super, super vulnerable, like, innocent, loving... Grateful. Grateful person. And I'm so grateful for the artists that have made music that saved my life. Um, but there's still, like, a, a, a wall that exists where I don't... Where I don't... It's not that, you know what I mean? Like, and... Um, I don't know. It like it, like, crushed me in the best possible way. I was just... I was so thankful for them to be even that, like vulnerable to to be like that in front of me. I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. I also just felt felt terrible. I felt this responsibility to that one person that would make music for the rest of my life for them alone. Do you know what I mean? If I knew that it helped or mattered. Um, it's weird. You get this, you get locked into this feeling that nothing matters and then you lose the purpose. And I don't really know where that comes from because I do think it's it's like such a distortion because you get all of this from social media or from whatever it is. You get all of these this positive reinforcement for what you do, but it just doesn't feel real. It doesn't feel like it actually exists in life. It just feels like I, I don't... I don't think the internet is real for some reason. I don't feel like those people are real people on the other side of it. It just all feels so removed and inhuman that I don't put any value into it. And um, and I don't know, I'm so thankful for this person because, like I said, all I want to do now is make music for them. <laughs> because, because for them it mattered. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's very interesting. It seems like a very necessary thing to happen Maybe. for you on this trip. Maybe. It's uh, loops full circle into that idea of being a tool for whatever it is that you've communicated to that person, whether it's reassurance, validation, some kind of mm -hmm. security, structure, support, whatever word you want to put on it, even just reflection, mm -hmm. being that mirror, being that tool being that safe space for that person to be able to have the faith that this world so desperately needs and that you so desperately need in this time, it feels. I do think it's faith. I think a while ago I said I had a conversation with a woman that I wasn't expecting to have. I don't know if I ever finished that thought, but she just looked at me and she said, you lost your faith. Perhaps. <laughs> um, and it's just, it's funny. It's funny because as a coherent, logical person, I, I don't see why. 
Because I can look at so many beautiful things that have happened in my life that felt completely, like, God-driven, like, divine-driven. Um, and yet I sit here doubting that there, that any of it matters, that there's anything to it at all. I sit here in, in complete ignorance that there's value to life at all. Why? I don't know. Did you lose the faith in the universe to provide or did you lose the faith in your ability to maintain when it doesn't provide? Mm. I think maybe I, lo- I, I, I never doubt that the universe is capable of providing because like I, I know too well that it is. Um, maybe it was more that I, I stopped thinking that the universe should do that for me. So it comes back to like the worthiness or something like that. I, I, I think the the two experiences that sort of like were the straw that broke the camel's back would be, I was, I was really really in love with this person who kind of like built an image of the future around, and I and I really didn't do that before. So I was really careful not to um, be willing to be anything but autonomous. And then I would like sort of opened up to that. And I just, I don't know, I met this person who I assumed would be with me for all of life. And that it was like a person who I could be a child with, be an adult with, grow with, but also felt okay where I was, which is like the perfect combination of all things, right? Um who I could also do all those things for. It was really cool. And then had this idea of what life was. And then I also had the the people that I made music with at that time was the most it was the most incredible collaboration that I'd ever experienced. It was like absolutely everything that you want. It was friendship, it was love, it was like it was platonic romance we were pushing each other we were growing we were arguing it was just like all of the things all in one and it was it was family and what we were doing I felt like was really good and it was not any of us in particular but it was all of us um and it was true and then and then I you know had this company that I also believed in and um all of it fell apart in the most disorienting way individually very like almost in rapid succession where the the person who i thought would be the love of my life was kind of not at all the person that they presented to be and it was just confusing cuz like i'll just tell i'll just tell you because i'm sure so many people have gone through something similar but um he he was cheating on me like a lot with people that were friends of mine and they were all lying to me you know what i mean like everybody was creating this one image that i bought and then it was not life do you know what i mean mm, reality the, is the reality was not at all so i just felt like what could you trust in that sense? I can't trust life at all. I can't trust myself Yourself. at all because I'm not good enough to know the difference. Mm-hmm. And um, and then the the people that I came up with originally in music, uh, like completely 180 degrees, like turned on me and created this like villain 
uh, idea about who I was that I had been preventing them from getting money from the label because I was friends with the label and like, and that I even had the capability to be this person that they thought at all after everything that we'd gone through together, after everything. I was like, all of this, you know nothing about me. And, and I know nothing about you. Like, I'm wrong again. And then I knew the label was, you know, I was never an, under any illusion that it wouldn't be. But at the same time, then all these people who, they come out and they say that they see who you are, know who you are, and like it. So quickly does that change. And it's like, ooh, we love what you are. Do change everything. And I've heard that story from a million people, and I expected it to a degree, but I did see it. And I think that the combination of the three of those things back to back, I just lost the ability to know how to trust myself at all, let alone God, let alone music, let alone humans, um, let alone love, because because I was so, so wrong. And I am so careful to do I'm so, so hesitant to walk into anything deeply meaningful that after having done the research, I truly believe that my decision is sound. And then it wasn't. So I don't know. I think I never have... Okay, and then here's here's the kicker. Here's where like the, the negative uh, <laughs> fallout comes in. Songwriting was always a process of honesty with myself. Therefore, I was unable to do that because... So prideful. Um, basically... I knew the person who, I'll say that they broke my heart. I was the one that walked out of the relationship, but they clearly walked out way before. Um, I'll say that I knew that they would be listening to my music and looking for themselves in it, and I never wanted to give them that satisfaction of knowing that I cared enough to talk about them afterwards. What I wanted the most was for them to hear that, hear anything that I made and see nothing of themselves mm. in it. And assume that you had been unaffected. That, exactly. Very prideful, I know. <laughs> but as a result, I could never, ever speak my mind again. I could never speak truth because the truth was the was the one thing I was avoiding the most because I didn't want to give this person the satisfaction of knowing that. And as, so my entire process for songwriting changed. Then it became like, oh, I, I guess I have to figure out how to be clever because I can't speak honestly. Well, I completely disabled myself as an artist. Amazing. <laughs> I completely disabled myself as a human being because I stopped being able to be honest at all. And then I went through all this, like, different health stuff, which was funny. I kept ending up, like, with, like, I thought I was going to die over and over again because my heart was doing all these crazy things. I was getting sick all the time. Um, all these, like, random autoimmune things would happen, and the doctor would be like, um, and yeah, I don't know. I just kept thinking, oh, well, I guess my body's like physically not strong enough to survive. I'm probably just going to die. And, um, I finally like met a spiritual kind of like a kind of spiritual counselor of sorts. It's not really the position that they play in life, but it was who they were for me. And they sort of helped me come to the realization that I was in such deep denial about the state of being that I was actually in that I that I, of course I was blocked in all areas of life because because I wasn't living in life anymore. I was living in this fabricated world that I was forcing upon myself. In Where my you weren't broken. That I wasn't broken. That I was okay. I was completely unwilling to look at any of that stuff. And where are you now in that? Um, it's a process. I mean, obviously you've come <laughs> leaps and bounds because of you. You're offering it up to a stranger like me. <laughs> <laughs> in this yeah. very intimate setting. 
Um, but in terms of your getting back to your work, yeah, is that something you still need to reconcile? Um, I have gone through so so much. Definitely in the last year as a process of reconciliation with the past and with the people involved in the past and seeing so much like forgiveness and and all of the areas that you would want. I think um, I'm so lucky for that because it's been like, first of all, my health, my health has improved so radically. Like I don't have like heart palpitations all the time. My heart doesn't like feel like it's going to break through my ribs at night. I can sleep um, most nights. <laughs> Um, and on the other opposite side is I don't sleep for like 14 hours at a time on occasion, which was the other thing that would happen. I'd be like completely sedated mm. for like months at a time or be awake for months at a time, like unable to sleep. Um, so like so much has righted itself. I, I, maybe I just, I don't, I don't know if, uh, I don't know how much, of my musical relationship will change because uh, obviously, like, life has totally shifted. Um, and I want different things than I wanted five years ago in life as a person, as a partner, as a friend, as all these things, like, as a daughter. Like, my wants have shifted. My desires for life have shifted. But I, I do... I can't imagine a future that I could exist in as myself that music wouldn't be involved in. It's so, so fundamentally tied to my, like, identity. Um, and I have these moments where, like, I get back, where I, where I see, like, miracles inside of songs again, and, like, I've missed that a lot. Well, it doesn't sound <laughs> like all faith has been lost. Um, I don't know, maybe, maybe it's not, I don't know. Uh, being aware of something and doing it is two totally different things, you know, mm -hmm. knowing that you should or can and actually doing it. Very different. I think the, the silver lining of repression <laughs> <laughs> is that it can't stay down forever. Yeah, that's like the, the ultimate faith in the human spirit is that it will always seek survive and, and thrive again mm -hmm. um, as seen through history over and over again. As seen in yourself, the numerous iterations <laughs> of yourself that you've been in the numerous versions. Yeah, I suppose. And I think that this is just one in many lines of evolution for you. What a different conversation we're having today than we would have had three years ago. Yeah. Isn't yeah. that wild? It's like I feel like I've gone through a complete um, it was just like a complete darkness. The sun had been blocked out for years. Just like stuck my head under the ground and disappeared as much as possible. Such a weird place to be. It's because now I'm like, I'm like this, right? I'm like... <laughs> Is it safe? What's out there? Try again next week. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming through and having an, <laughs> an open and honest conversation. Although it was a it was a fight to get you here in the first place. <laughs>
Hey, it happened. It happened. I'm so glad that you even bothered to make the fight. Or that you even asked is like the more shocking thing. I was like, I really don't know what I could talk about that you'd find interesting, but let's give it a go. Are you happy that you did it? Um, I'm always happy that I did anything that I do. Okay. But I do think that everything has necessary purpose. And also your, your uh, frame of life or fr- like your perception on life makes so much sense to me that I feel like you're validating thoughts in my mind that are probably very insignificant, very significant to be validated because they, the last, uh, it's like these tiny pieces of momentum are life-changing and it's what I need probably more than anything. So let me change my answer to yes, I'm happy I came. Okay, good. That's all I wanted to hear. <laughs> the seal of approval. But thank you for letting me be that for you as well. Thank you for volunteering. See you in three years? See you in three years. All right, cool. <laughs> Our timeline.